Welcome back, Life Group Leaders, to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. So good to be here. Well, here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do, including this podcast here at Compass, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, Pastor Hayden, we have a two-week series, a new series in the book of Colossians. The series is titled God at Work, and the sermon title for your sermon uh, on Sunday is a biblical work ethic based on Colossians 3, verses 22 to 24. And let me read that for y'all right now. It says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Well, Pastor Hayden, you have a very easy task this coming (laughs) Sunday talking about uh, slavery. So what is the focus you want us to have as you preach this sermon? Well, guys, of course, we'll we'll touch on uh, the topic of slavery. uh, But what the great thing about this is while understanding the context, we'll figure out real quick uh, that this transcends this idea of slavery, and we understand that the text is really talking about uh, our job and responsibility as Christians in the workplace, our understanding that we all have uh, bosses uh, and earthly masters, that is, that uh, lead us and that are over us in authority, and we'll find that the, these texts actually help us understand uh, what it means to have a biblical work ethic. And so the focus in this particular sermon is for us to understand uh, that we know that our earthly faithfulness produces a reward in eternity that should empower us to wholeheartedly embrace the work that God has us here accomplishing. And so, uh, you know, you can jump into the idea of slavery and, you know, one of the uh, truths of, sla- of being a slave and a bond servant, particularly as a type of slavery that existed there in the first century in Rome and even in Christian households, was that there was no uh, reward. There was no, uh, uh, what is the word that we use here in the Colossians? There was no inheritance uh, given to slaves. And so the great news, even initially, as Paul is, is writing this letter, was Hey, uh, bond servants, I know that you, even here on earth, uh, feel like you don't have a lot to look forward to, but understand that you're not working for here. You're working for something eternal. And although that you, like many other people, you see that they have inheritance, they're going to get all these rewards here on earth. You understand that your inheritance is awaiting for you. And so the way that you work, the way that you live is all within the framework of what you will receive in eternity and not so much focused on what you're going to receive here. And so that's really the exact place that we're going uh, in this sermon. And it really sums itself up in three points is, number one, we need to invest in our eternity. Uh, We need to focus not on what is here, what is uh, transient, what is perishing, uh, but we need to keep our focus on things that are eternal. Uh, Number two is we need to improve our work ethic. Uh, We live in a culture where working hard, although is a uh, 
Uh, people give a nod to it. We say, oh yeah, we should all be hard workers. Truly, it's not something that we all uh, apply to our lives. As a matter of fact, we often hear people complaining about their work, saying how difficult their work is, saying how much they wish they had time off. Uh, and that's really not at all a biblical uh, view of our work. Work should be something uh, that we do uh, wholeheartedly, or that word heartily is, is this word psyche, which means with our whole soul. Like our souls should be in it uh, and we should be doing it and knowing that we're working for a particular person, and it isn't our bosses, uh, it's the Lord Christ. Which brings us to our third point here, which is we need to remember who we're working for. You know, we don't work for uh, whatever organization you work for. You don't work for Amazon. You don't work for Google. You know, we work for Christ. And so it's remembering that that's really going to keep us motivated on the days that we don't want to get up in the morning and go to work. It's going to motivate us to do uh to do it well, to work well, and for our work ethic to always be consistent. So much more to say here, and we'll jump into that. If you're listening to this podcast before this weekend sermon, we're going to jump into a lot of details. But if you're watching this afterwards, you're just going to know. We've talked a lot about this idea of uh, what a biblical work ethic looks like and then what it looks like to be a people pleaser and what it looks like to only work by way of eye service and the consequences in the Christian life when we're not living life according to a biblical work ethic. So really looking forward to jumping into that. Uh, But really the focus of all this is we have earthly faithfulness that we're called to, and it's going to produce or produce a reward in eternity. And because of that and that truth, we're going to embrace the work God has for us here. Well, Pastor Hayden, I think that is so well done. I might as well wrap this podcast up. I think that's pretty <laughs> simple. I mean, there is nothing controversial whatsoever or difficult uh-huh. to understand here. So, well, Pastor Hayden, what are some really helpful insights? As we studied the text about bond servants, that's such a funny word that is used there for what the Greek word is. Right. Uh, so this word uh, in its in its form is is doulos, but it's the noun form, so it's, it's actually talking about a particular person. Uh, and in the ESV, they've actually already done the work for you, because one of the problems that you run into, especially as we are a Western readers of, uh, of the Bible, we're going to see slaves, and we're going to see uh, our Western framework introduced into Scripture, which can be problematic, uh, because when we read slaves, we have different ideas than uh, what have may have been historically correct, especially in the first century Roman Empire, uh, even during the spread of Christianity there through the Roman Empire. And so the ESV has done something really, uh, uh, you know, the more I've been reading it, actually really intelligent, because although it does the work for you, which sometimes I don't super enjoy, because I think we need to have the actual words there that were were rendered in the Greek straight over to English, but the ESV understands the problem that English or Western readers have with the word slave. And so they actually do the exegetical work and just go ahead and fill that blank in for you by calling it a bond servant. Because we are talking about slaves, but we're talking about a particular kind of slavery here. Because there were many ways in ancient times where people were made slaves. They were made slaves because of war. Actually, the word slave comes from war because that word actually uh, means, or or, a rendering of that word slave actually means someone who's been saved. And so you would either kill everyone, uh, and a slave would actually be someone who was saved. You see, slaved, saved, they're kind of the same word. Uh, And so people were made slaves because they were saved from being killed in war, and they were captured and brought into slavery. 
You also have a type of enslavement, which is condemned many times through Scripture. There are people who are stolen or napped, right? Uh, that kind of uh, slavery was uh, was even punishable in the Old Testament by death, and so you weren't allowed to do those things. Uh, you can be a slave by being purchased, indentured servitude, where you were remitted payments uh, for your work, uh, for protection and basic needs. There were many people who lived in that time who could not take care of themselves or their families. And so what they would do is they would sell themselves to somebody, a family who was wealthy, and they knew if they sold themselves to that, then that family would be taking care of them and their family. Uh, and you had lots of different kinds of, uh, uh, of slavery. You had slavery in the cities where a lot of people, a lot of slaves, you couldn't even tell a slave from a freedman because in the cities you had slaves who were actually lawyers and slaves who were actually uh, business managers, and so uh, in our minds we think of ag- agrarian, ag- you know, uh, societies. Well, oh, they're in the fields, and that was the case in rural areas. But what we need to understand is in that in the context of Rome and society, there is a very broad category for slave. And really, the ESV does a good job saying, hey, we're talking about one particular kind of slavery here. We're not talking about people who have been stolen and kidnapped. We're not talking about people who've been captured in war. We're talking about people who are in indentured servants, people who have, uh, who have uh, sold themselves into a family or have been taken uh, into a family to serve uh, for payment, to be taken care of. Now, I say all that stuff. But in the reality, being a, even a bond servant was not a fun thing. No one wanted to be a bond servant. It wasn't cool. No one wanted to walk around with that with that on their shoulder. But the truth is, this was just life in that time. And so no one's trying to make being a bond servant sound any better than it should be because it wasn't great. But it is different. And at the end of the day, what we have to understand as Christians is that slavery was tolerated as a societal norm, but it was not endorsed. It's not something that... Uh, the early church or, or Christians uh, there in the New Testament were like, yeah, this is something we love it. We want to, we want to, we want to make it great. We want to uh, approve it. We want to build up on it. No, it's just reality. Is it was a true societal norm, uh, and the Bible is teaching these bond servants how to exist in the situations that they find themselves. And so that's really, I mean, that's a helpful insight only because, you know, you're going to have a lot of questions about what does this mean and how can the Bible talk about slavery and how can they endorse slavery? And the reality is it's not endorsing it, but it is saying here's how Christians act within the context of slavery. And then one more example just to show you how the Bible works. Uh, Paul was imprisoned. Actually, a lot of Christians were in prison on wrongful accounts. And what you see in Scripture is uh, these Christians... In prison, uh, although we would argue that unjust imprisonment should be, uh, <laughs> should be uh, all, all the words we could use here. It should be, it's wrong. We should we should fight against it. And you're right, we should. But we don't see that going on even in the imprisonment of Paul. What we see is Paul saying, uh, "I have some ministry I need to be doing, and I'm focusing on these. Uh, I'm focusing on the gospel." Uh, and so, even in Scripture, we find even multiple situations where things that are not good. Are, uh, are not, that shouldn't be approved, it shouldn't be endorsed, are still happening. And what we see is how the gospel is at work within those situations. Even though as Christians we know that wrongful imprisonment and slavery are wrong things, uh, the Bible is even showing how Christians live in those things uh, and had really uh, propagated the gospel even in conditions that weren't great. And so, I mean, that, I mean that's a helpful. So much you could say there. Pastor Evan, you have anything to add? Well, I just want to ask Pastor Hayden, with that context in mind, which is very important to help us understand 
what is being taught. Now, with that context in mind, what did it mean for the slave, the bond servant for them in terms of the text at hand? Like, what, it, what is Paul getting at for them? So, I mean, in the context, I mean, it says a bond servant. So those of you, you you're in this situation. It may not be great. You, you, you know, you, you come from lowly means and you're just working for a living uh, and, and you're not your own master. Somebody's going to tell you what to do all the time. Uh, you're going to obey your earthly master, but you're not you're going to do it understanding that you're a Christian. And we understand, according to chapter uh, chapter one, that there is no longer uh, Greek or, or Scythian or slave or freed man, but Christ is all and in all. And so now we understand that these slaves, although you're working for this earthly master, you're really working for the Lord. And you're also uh, all equal in essence with whoever you're around. Your, your master is no more uh, a human than you are. You're both made in the image of God. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to take our... our uh, understanding of our of our life in Christ and we're going to be working for him. And whatever I do, I'm going to work with all my soul for the Lord and not for man. And I know that from the Lord I'm going to receive an inheritance. I didn't ever have a promise of inheritance as a bond servant, but now I do because the Lord that I'm serving isn't the the man over here to my left. He's the man uh, that I've given my life to and his name is Christ. And so that's really the context of the importance of, uh, yeah, of the bond servants. And so that kind of leads into the cross reference that you have you know, put down in second Corinthians chapter five, that regardless of the situation, we're supposed to work hard. Yeah. It's a second Corinthians five, nine through 10, whether we're at home or away, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we make it our aim to please Christ for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Pastor Evan, next week, you're going to be you know, preaching on the master relationship in this. And, uh, but, you know, not to spoil anything there, but we just understand that everyone is going to appear before the judgment seat. And so even in the Christian context of these relationships, uh, no one is trying to take advantage of anyone. As a matter of fact, if that's the case, uh, we're going to appear before the judgment seat and uh, we're going to be called to account with those things. So we even see within the first century of Rome, okay, great, yes, were there, you know, slaves and bond servants that were mistreated? Of course there were. You know, were there masters who were mean and, and not great? Yes, there were. Uh, but within that framework, you then have God's word coming in and saying, nope, we're all equal here. Men and women uh, and slaves and masters, no matter what nationality, if you're a Jew or a Greek, we're all we're all equal here. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And so whether if, if you're a slave, you can't be taking advantage and stealing and pilfering from the master. And if you're the master of the home, you also can't be taking advantage of your slave, much less your your wife and your kids. You, you got to understand that your master is the God in heaven. And not sure if I'm going to spoil our sermon a little bit, but the encouraging fact is that for the slave, they're not only a, a slave to Christ, they're also a, a son and daughter of Christ, yeah, the part of the family. Right. They're an heir of God. And for the master, for next week, they have to be, you know, have that warning of, this is my child. Right. Even though you're the, they're your slave, this is my child. You That's better right. better treat them right. And right. so, which kind of leads into what we might re, what we are going to be reading in our DBR in the New Testament with Luke chapter seven. You know, here's a centurion, a Roman a commander in the army who has a slave. It says a servant, but it's the same. It's the same term, doulos. doulos. Yep. 
and he has a servant that he wants uh, Jesus to heal. But the reason why he turns to Jesus because he recognizes his authority. And that's just like how as parents, our authority as parents represents the God's authority. The centurion was quickly able to see Jesus's authority over the world, which is, hey, this is like God's authority because I have authority and able to command men. This is Luke chapter seven, verses one through 10. You know, I can, you know, with my authority, I can command men with your authority. You can command creation. And so I'm going to turn to your authority, right? Re, uh, recognizing my authority is going to be, rep, you know, uh, is representing your authority, God's authority. And so here is, you know, a master and a slave relationship that is good, that is looked, you know, you know, looked on upon with favor because here's a good master and a good servant or slave that want to honor God and are turning to God whose authority that they're trusting in. And you're going to see that that relationship playing out in uh, Ro- the Roman Empire where people were very ungodly and that you see then uh, this master and slave relationship where the where they love one another and they serve and care about one another and people are like, what in the world is going on in that home? And furthermore, it was the Jews that told Jesus, hey, you, you help this man. He's a God-fearing centurion. He's a Gentile who loves the Jewish God. And so when we are following God's you know decrees and order within uh, our lives, we shine you know shine bright within a culture that is so dark. Well, Pastor Hayden, that is a lot to take so in. So much, and but not, didn't even get, didn't even touch the tip of the iceberg. And like I said, it's not a controversial topic today. <laughs> but with all that being said, we can go down like rabbit trails galore, even within our life group. So, as life group leaders, what is the focus that we need to have when studying this text, with all the baggage that we have with this text? What is the thing that we need to focus on as we are studying and leading the application questions this week in life group? Really, it's uh, two things primarily. One, do you have a biblical work ethic? I mean, do you work as though you're working for the Lord and not for man? Or do you find yourself complaining and not working very hard and not doing what God asks us to do? And then do you also, secondly, do you see God's design in your day-to-day work? That God has designed us to work. It was a, it was a pre-fall condition that we worked. It's not something that happened because of the fall in Genesis 3. Uh, we've always been designed to work, and we'll be working for the rest of eternity for the glory of God. And so, you know, those are your—I want you to go that direction and uh, help your group apply this into their life and ask them questions about how they can do this in their day-to-day lives. So we have some resources uh, that we would love to give to you guys as we're, you know, wrapping up here a little bit. Uh, Pastor Evan, what what do, you, what do we have for him? Well, first off, we have a really good book by John MacArthur called Slave, The Hidden Truth About Your Identity in Christ. And his focus is, you know, as yes, there's the difference between a bondservant and someone who was stolen and kidnapped in slavery. But his point is that with the point of the of the scriptures trying to point to is that we are a slave of Christ. And it's a good thing. We have a wonderful master that we have to serve. So it's a really good resource to kind of help that talks about this. Uh, what else is on there, Pastor Hayden, for our resources for our life group leaders? Yeah. If you have Logos, you're going to find the Alexum Bible Dictionary. If you don't have Logos, you can get Logos for free on Logos.com. Go to the, you can go up to the search bar, free Logos 9, and you'll find an article in the Lexum Bible Dictionary uh, that'll be really, really good uh, on slavery. Uh, and then there's also a book called Is God a Moral Monster by Paul Copen. Uh, and that would also be just some really good resources for you guys as you guys are uh, 
you know, trying to teach your life groups. And listen, we're not, we're never going to escape this idea of slavery, uh, even in, in a positive context, because as Pastor Evan was saying, it is our relationship with Christ. Uh, and I say this often, but this idea that, you know, you have been bought with a price, you know, you know, if you, those of us who have these emotional feelings of, oh, I just, I have a, I have a savior who bought me. Yeah. That's called slavery. Like that is literally slave language. You've been bought with a price. Your body is not your own. It's Christ. Okay. That is all those things are slave language that dictate, that tells us and shares with us the truth of what relationship we have with God. Now we are his children, uh, right, we are co-heirs with Christ, uh, but we're also slaves. And so, uh, this is something that I encourage you as a life group leader: you never stop digging down this hole of, of the slave relationship, because although it's been marred uh, throughout history, uh, there is some deep, deep, important truth uh, that you're going to find with the uh, relationship between our relationship with God and the relationship of, of, of us being slaves and do losses of God. Uh, so as far as uh, our spiritual leadership, you guys have just met with us in our life group leader training, and we went through chapters one through three, and so we're going to leave you guys with that, and next week we'll pick up on chapter four, and I'm excited. Uh, I know our life group leader meeting is going to be such an encouragement, uh, and as you're listening to this, you've already been to that life group leader meeting, so I hope it was encouraging for you as we get ready to embark on this crazy four weeks in the life of our church. All right, Pastor Evan, we got some very necessary announcements. So what do we have? What can we be encouraging our people to continue putting out in front of their life groups? Well, by the time you listen to this, we've already had our church-wide outreach on Saturday morning. So make sure that you are texting in the group chats or individually or in expressing this with when you meet with your life group to have them to continue to invite people to Easter weekend. We have plenty of flyers. We have plenty of posters that we want to hang up. So encourage and embolden your life group to reach people for Christ as part of our mission statement so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ on Easter weekend, which is... April 15th and 17th. We have our Good Friday services at 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. and our Easter service at 11 a.m. And so continue to pray for, for the building. We always need to be trusting in God in this. So encourage your life group to continue to pray. We can't depend on ourselves. We have to depend on God's work and everything, even including this building. But we're excited to be able to celebrate Easter with everyone. So make sure that you're inviting people, your life group's inviting people, and we're praying that God would save souls on Easter weekend. All right, Pastor Hayden, there's a couple more announcements that we want to give them. We sure do. We have a church work day April 9th. We have a lot of major projects going on, and we need you to uh, come together with us as we prepare uh, this facility for all the things God has for us. So on April the 9th from 9 to 5, we're going to be meeting at the building to, to make it pretty, to make it ready for all the people who are going to come. So we want to invite you there. We'll have lunch. Uh, we'll have everything, refreshments, snacks for you guys, so you'll be fueled up and ready to go. Uh, we also have finally baptisms on May 1st. We have a lot of people registering for this, which we is do. great. And we, uh, want to continue to have two full services of baptism. So if you know people who need to be baptized, uh, get them to register online. They'll meet with us. We'll give them a couple of resources to make sure they've read through to understand what baptism is. We'll make sure that they have a, a salvific testimony, not just a testimony of, yeah, I've been saved since I was born. Well, <laughs> we're going to make sure that they have a testimony of repentance and faith, uh, we're going to help them and coach them on how to share a, a testimony in the baptism tank. And then uh, we're going to help them take their first steps of, uh, ba- of 
obedience with believers' baptism. So looking forward to that on May 1st. Encourage your group, those who need to be baptized, to register online. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening in. We look forward to these next four weeks as we run hard for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll see you guys soon. (laughs) 